Hey gang, this is Andy Zook, and you're listening to Bad At Parties, a one-on-one conversation about artists and their minds. If you are listening for the first time, don't forget to follow Bad At Parties on your mobile device's podcast app and like us on Facebook for more information about artists that we have on the show. Real talk this week with Megan Brady. Megan is a presentation artist who has been creating meals and experiences through the pantry at Delancey, although I doubt she would ever describe herself as that. This conversation was beautiful and important to me. Cannot wait to share it with you. That being said, I have a quick trigger warning about our conversation, so let me pause the intro music. Trigger warning. This conversation deals with issues about body image relationships and eating disorders. If that doesn't seem like the content you're wanting to engage with at this time, maybe this isn't the episode for you. If you're in the Seattle area and feel like these are conversations you want to have with a professional, check out the Emily Program or Opal Food and Body Wisdom. These have great resources and safe professionals to call and sit down with. We're rooting for you. Okay, and we're going to start the music again. Just long enough to get this show on the road. Megan Brady. I just have to feed my fish. That's so great. I'm going to move this closer to you okay. so that we're equidistant. Equidistant. Yeah, because I'm not more important than you, Megan. Oh. Mm-mm. Thanks, Andy. True that. that. I mean it. So, you want to know why I wanted you on the podcast? Yeah. Because literally, I asked you, do you want to be on the podcast? And do you remember what your response was? No. You said, what would I talk about? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which is the dumbest. (laughs) I did ask that. You said that. (laughs) I think that you were with me and, like, we were with Heather. And she was like, you you could talk about cooking. You could talk about singing. You could, there are so many things that you could talk about. And you were like, oh, yeah, I could. But, like, and, like, you (laughs) responded genuinely, like, oh, yeah, that's things I can do. But, yeah. You just had no idea. We had to give it to you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's a, it was a very Megan response. Oh, thanks. Who, me? Who, me? Yeah, Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. No. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, I guess, like, I've always sort of more been a hobbyist mm-hmm. than I, like, uh, what's the right word? Forward create, creative. Totally. Always had, like... I've always done creative things as hobbies, but I've never, like, wanted that to be my main thing or, like, source of income. Totally. And I feel like you definitely pick up multiple pieces. Like, you're never doing yeah. one thing. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. definitely true. Mm-hmm. So, I don't, so that's why I was like, well, I work at a restaurant, yes, but my job is very organizational. Yeah. Would you like to talk about your job on the podcast? No. All right. Deal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, my job was great, but it's just, I just was like, well, that's not a super, I mean, there is definitely some creativity that goes into my job for sure. Cause I get to work with food and wine and, mm-hmm. um, all sorts of like decorative elements for the spaces that we have, but it's never, yeah, it's not, not it's way more organizational. No, totally. And it's your job. I mean, you've been at Canlis for five years, which yes. is awesome. Yeah. Super tight. Great place to be. Yeah. And I'm sure that it feeds um, your just like ability to go off to the pantry or something and mm-hmm. recognize what is high quality. Yeah, absolutely. But that doesn't mean it's an artistic outlet. Yeah, no. 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 That's fine. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. I was listening to, uh, I just found Elizabeth Gilbert's podcast. Um, oh, big magic. I think. No, that's her book. Um, something magic. It's real magic. Mm-hmm. 
Magic Songs with Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it's called. I but I listen Yeah, I listened to an episode of it. It's really great. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was talking uh, about this idea of confusing, like, learning something or, like, surrounding yourself with something as the same thing as doing it. She was talking mm-hmm. to this uh, guy who's trying to pursue being com- a comedian and, like, how she sees him taking all these classes or how she sees people who are writing novels instead of being on, like, their second PhD and things like that. Yeah. And I could, I was, like, it was just hitting me, like, a ton of bricks. The, yeah. like, don't just, like, be around the thing that you want and, like, yeah. think that that is you accomplishing it mm-hmm. or pursuing mm-hmm. it. That's you just being around it. That doesn't mean you are adding to the song, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, totally. Yep. Totally. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's sort of my way of, like, because I work with creative people around me all the time, mm-hmm. you know, cooks, chefs. Um, I think even being in charge of wine, like, takes a lot of creativity and a ton of knowledge. So, I yeah, I think uh, being around it is important, but it's also, like, I volunteer at this cooking school mm-hmm. called The Pantry, and I've been there for about four years, and volunteer maybe twice a month, um, just, like, get there an hour before class, help set things up, help out during the class, and then help clean up afterward. Um, and it's become a really important community in my life and a really important outlet, and I've learned so much about food and about community and gathering and all sorts of things that feed my soul. Um, but that is, like, I love being on my feet for five hours and, mm-hmm. like, cutting vegetables and sweeping and like doing things that involve my hands and like my back is sore and my feet are sore and it just feels so good because we're 40 hours let's be real 50 hours a week Mm -hmm. I'm you know most of the time I'm sitting at a desk yeah empowering those things to happen exactly but not being the one making them happen and I find that those other creative outlets are so like they enhance my experience of my you know, 40-hour-a-week job. Sure. So much because I just have so much more context Mm -hmm. and really bring what I do from 9 to 5 to life because... 8. 9 to 9. 9 to (laughs) 9. 8 to 10. But, I mean, that... And it prevents you from being resentful. Absolutely. It makes you say, like, yeah, I'm not doing it here, but I'm doing it elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah, I see a lot of musicians who have taken on auxiliary music jobs. They're like, oh, I I go and I work sound at a venue because I have experience in that. I can work a soundboard. Mm -hmm. Or they're like, I I help out doing house management or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And if they're not playing music they quit those jobs so fast because they're like, oh, I just hate it. I hate the industry. And it's like, no, you hate that you're not the one on stage. Yeah. You could only do so much. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be hard for me to do the job that I do nine to five um, if I didn't have all of these other creative outlets Mm -hmm. to express myself or to just experiment or to play around with. I think it would make the sort of monotony and the, the email inbox. Yeah. <laughs> a little too daunting for me to handle. Totally. So, yeah, I feel I, that's always been something that's been really important in my life is to have a balance between things that feel like, okay, great, this is like pulling in money, this is helping me pay my bill, or this is paying my bills. And then also this is all this stuff that is, I don't know, I've always like really compartmentalized those parts yep. of my life. I totally can relate Healthy to that. Healthy or not. 
I think what's what's really hard for me is can be the the feeling of I don't get to do that if like because I I do compartmentalize but it, it's a reward system so much in my mind mm, that like yeah. if I do this work mm-hmm. then when I'm done with work I'll feel okay about sitting down with Megan for an hour on the podcast yeah I should be doing other things but I get to be here and I'm gonna let myself be doing mm. this because it feels so good because I worked so hard yeah. and I I've earned this absolutely yeah yeah I've like I've flirted with actually having my creative outlets become my source of employment. Sure. And it's always not felt good. And in most cases, hasn't ended up working out. And I think that that's for a reason. Mm-hmm. Because, like, to me, like, singing is too precious of a thing to me to put the kind of pressure on it that, like, okay, and you have to do this so that you can pay your cell phone bill. Mm-hmm. Like that, like, the the process of singing, the process of being creative in that way is just far too important to put that kind of pressure on. Mm. I want to, like, let that love and let that, for that outlet and let that creativity just, like, grow and flourish and bubble, like, as it wants to in my life and to put the pressure on it of, like, okay, great. Like, what if you, you know, did this as a profession it just I think it would take away so much of the joy of it for me yeah so I I think for from my perspective it can be so hard to to look at that thing and say like I I'm dependent on that and to I don't know I think that there can be maybe I'm pushing this and you can say like no that's not me but I Mm. think that there can also be like a, a lack of trust like a yeah I it's fun to do these things because I don't need to it to go perfectly yeah. If there's flaws, who cares? Yeah. It's a hobby, and it, and it allows you to keep it compartmentalized. And oh, it's, for sure. It's safety. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. But it's also like, do I trust myself enough to do that? Yeah. Not really. And that's going to be a hard thing. I think that that's yeah. definitely something that is an excuse I give myself. And, and not to say that I want to overcome that excuse so that I can have that be my full-time career, but I know that it exists. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that's a, a real part of it as well. For sure. Mm-hmm. I've, I've said for many years now that, so I sing pretty regularly at my church, and I sing in front of a lot of people. And, you know, the, like, an uh, often uh, comment that I get is, why don't you try for the voice? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just, like, no. No, because singing at church is a really different context than singing on The Voice, sure. for sure. Yeah. But um, but I've said for a long time, I would never want to be, like, a performing artist hmm. or a recording artist, like, solo where people are looking at me. But I would, I think if, if I could go back and do, like, so many years of my life over again, I maybe would consider doing like, background vocals right. professionally. And that's what you have, like, I've seen you, like, really shine in when you've been in other bands and you've been yeah. like, oh, I'm a, I'm a backup singer or, yeah. like, you've helped out with other things we, when we've sung together. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I can see you truly love that and you yeah. like being someone supporting yeah. somebody else. Absolutely. Um, and I wonder how that, we talked about this, like, maybe two months ago, but it is, like, hanging on to me like nobody's business. Mm. The idea that you said about letting yourself be the main character of your story. Yeah. Yeah. That has been mm. killing me. Oh, that's so good. I think my therapist said that to me. That's great. <laughs> yeah. 
Way to go, Dr. Sarah. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Dr. Sarah. <laughs> thanks, Dr. Sarah. Shout out. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think. I don't know. I have like a pretty. I have an older sibling with uh, a pretty strong personality who, um, I think, just naturally, like second children, can end up feeling like a like a supporting player. Totally. And so I think that that was a role that I've fallen into a lot in my life. Um, and even to say I'd rather be a backup singer than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that it's... Oh, it's... I would prefer it. I would prefer it's it. It's not something I'm forced to do. <laughs> it's more desirable. Yeah, to me it is more mm-hmm. desirable. Totally. So, um, so yeah, but that just makes sense for who I am and what I... Like, the places that I feel comfortable in life. Or even the places that I can flourish. Like, it's not important to me to be in the front. Mm-hmm. Um, but to my brother, that was really important. Shout out, Mo. Shout out. <laughs> What's his podcast? He's got a cool podcast. Oh, yeah, it's called The Ensemblist. Nice. And it's for, uh, it's about what it's like to work on Broadway. Yeah. So if that's like, if you're listening and you're a kid <laughs> in middle America. I'm not right now. Who? <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm right here, Megan. <laughs> talking to uh, the listeners. They're not here. <laughs> They're in the future. <laughs> They're in the future. Um, yeah, it's like if you were like a kid in Ohio and you were like, man, I'm going to be on Broadway someday, but I have absolutely no idea what that is would be like. Yeah. Then you would listen to the Ensemblist and you would like learn everything that you ever needed to know. Mm-hmm. So. I listened to one episode. <gasps> you did? Yeah, it was cool. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm glad you listened. Yeah. So, yeah. Shout out to Mo. Shout out to the Ensemblist. Yeah. Didn't listen enough to remember the name of the podcast, <laughs> but I knew it existed. But you're also, like, not really into musical theater or Broadway, so that no, was also... No, I okay. did. I did it in high school. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was a big too. thing. Yeah. I was, for a long time, I thought, like, that's what it'll be. I think that I'm very much, like... <laughs> yeah. Like, anybody who's into music theater, nobody, like, goes into it thinking, I'll do this halfway. Yeah. Oh, no. No. You're doing the same. Oh, yeah. I'm a star. They've just got to see me, and then they'll know. I remember walking around my house when I was, you know, like, late elementary, middle to late elementary, and I did these, um, I did musical theater growing up, and every summer I'd do this children's theater program uh, in Bellevue, Mm -hmm. and, because that's where my dad lived, and I spent summers with my dad, and so I remember, I never had a very big role, partially because I was young. Uh, probably, and I don't know why else, but anyway, uh, and I remember walking around my house when nobody was home, like, singing, and just wishing that someone would secretly hear me, and would be like, oh my gosh, that girl, get her in the lead role. Yep. (laughs) True confessions, has that stopped? No. No. (laughs) None of us have stopped thinking this. When we're practicing at home, we're like, oh. that talent buyer is just outside the window. Oh my gosh. I'll just so secretly true. sing a little bit closer to the window. Yeah. Totally. That and, never ends. And maybe, who's that like big music producer? What's his name? I don't know. Big music big producer. Big music guy. producer. His guy. parents knew what he was going to be when they named him. <laughs> I know. Yeah. He just happens to be visiting a friend in Wallingford where mm-hmm. I live and they're walking their dog outside my apartment and heard me singing Lauren Hill and we're like, that girl. Yep. Record deal. Record deal. Yeah. Oh yeah. I used to busk 
on the street in Seattle oh, during so college. Handy. I yeah. know. <laughs> with my songs that are not busking <laughs> songs. Buddy, just play covers. Nobody yeah. wants to hear the stuff you wrote. <laughs> just play Dylan. Nobody, nobody wants to hear oh your sad gosh. high school songs. It's true. And I would just be like, someone's going to walk by. I don't care that I'm not getting any dollars. I'm going to get the exposure I need. This was my voice at the time. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. I remember when you talked like that. Yeah. Just kidding. But I, at the Ballard Farmer's Market, if this was probably like five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, when Alan Stone was playing a lot around town. Sure. Um, and was sort of like breaking through the Seattle scene into more national and international scene. But he had, like, just put out maybe his second album uh, and maybe his first album on a label, but it was sort of his first big album. And I remember being at the Ballard Farmer's Market and hearing a guy singing... If you've left your bags so... at the airport. <laughs> no, no, that too, that, no, that too. too. He no. definitely... Is, you definitely hear his voice yeah. at the airport. Um, but... I remember hearing a guy singing an Alan Stone song, and I wanted to be like, dude, too soon. Yeah. That album came out, like, a month ago, yeah. and literally Alan might be at this farmer's He could market. be here. He could be here right now. <laughs> no. Totally. Um, there was this one time when we were, our, our buddy Noah, Noah Gunderson, yeah. who's now, like, very accomplished individual singer-songwriter, mm-hmm. um, like, there was a time where, like, we were hanging out a bit, and, like, he was over at our house sometime, and, like, we were hosting an open mic, and there was this one time that we went to the open mic after we were done hosting it, us being the other people I was in college with. Yeah. And we went to it, and this kid was singing, like, a Noah Gunderson song. Mm. And, like, he was going to maybe come with us, and he's like, I'm not going to come to that. That's stupid. Mm. And then they're like, yeah, it is, but we still do it. And then, mm. like, this kid was singing a Noah Gunderson song. I was like, oh, my God, thank goodness. Close call. He did not come. Yeah. Yep. That would have been rough. Yeah. That reminds me about how I was just parked in downtown Ballard, mm. and at, and I've been doing this thing lately with street parking where I don't pay, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> because, you know, like, do you have that app where you can pay? No, Heather does. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's I don't, awesome. I don't drive. Oh. I, I never drive anymore, but Why? I ride the bus. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. yeah. you work on the hill. I work on the hill. Um. But I've been doing this thing lately where I'm like, mm, I'm just going to risk it. Like, if I'm only going to be gone for like 10 or 15 minutes. All right, minutes. ballsy. Yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. Because also with that, I mean, to me, it seems more reasonable that because now you can pay on your app and not have to have a sticker on your window. Right. You can just. Yeah, now that's going to be so obvious. annoying. Those poor meter maids. Yeah. Having to log into their computer with every single car they go to. Yeah. That totally. sounds fucking awful. Yeah. yeah. So I have been, this is the second day in a row that I've sort of been like, mm, I'm just going to see how this goes. Nice. I'm going to save myself a dollar seventy yeah. in the 45 I mean, seconds it takes to yeah. pull open you the app. You do that, you do that like 40 times. <laughs> If you get only a ticket only one out of 40 times, yeah. boom, saving money. Saving money. Yeah. But it, it, I don't know if I can pull out 40 times in a row. That feels pretty We're bold. We're advocating it. Here pretty bold. Podcast. Kids. Okay, but as I was walking up to my car from Anchor, mm-hmm. was down, parked right in front of Hotcakes, 
I'm literally walking up to my car and I am I'm watching this meter maid go around and like check all the cars in the row. Getting and close. As she's pro like and literally I just start walking like a little bit faster, a little bit faster, a little bit faster because if she gets to my car, I'm screwed. Yep. So she's at the car right before my car and I just like Quick little run, <laughs> get in my car. I, I'm in my car. I'm in my car and pulling away. You can't check. What if you're just in the car? Can they get you? I don't. That's a great question. I don't know. I'm driving. But I literally, like, I got like kind of sweaty and like full mm-hmm. of adrenaline because yeah. I was like, oh, I almost just got a ticket. Yep. But I didn't. Ha! Saved forty dollars. <laughs> but now I feel like I'm probably not going to do that for a while because I feel like the fates were like, uh, uh, uh. yeah, one out of two is not a good way to save yeah, money. That's no. a really good way to spend. <laughs> $40 on nothing. To give. The for the government. For the government. Yeah. yeah. For the government. Um, but you were looking at tattoo stuff. I was, yeah. I was at a consultation. Nice. My brother is in Morgan, who I already talked about, also known as Mo. Second shout out. He's going to love this. Yeah. Um, he, is, he lives in New York, mm-hmm. and him and his husband and his son are going to be out here in two weeks. Oh, really? Yeah. I haven't met Brady yet. I know. Do I get to meet Brady? You can. We're having an open house barbecue. Everybody. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> come to this address on this day and, and meet my nephew. That would be a bad idea. <laughs> Let's talk about this later. Anyways. Anyway. Um, tattoo. Yes, we are going to get um, sibling tattoos. That's tight. That's yeah. the same place where I got my tattoo. That's right. I mm-hmm. remember. I walked in and I was like, I was thinking about how Heather got her flower there, and you got your squid. Mm-hmm. So, you were yeah. you ready for an embarrassing story? I want to do some secret sharing. Yes, um, I'm so ready. I sometimes when I okay, so I went to go get my tattoo. I wanted to get this squid tattoo that is uh, meaningful for my grandpa, but I also believe that no tattoo should exist that isn't first and foremost aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, because. Nine times, or I'm going to say like 90 times out of a, uh, no, that's still the same statistic. <laughs> 99 times out of 100, better. Uh, you are not going to explain your tattoo. People are just going to see it and take it at face value. Yeah. Hopefully it's not on your face. And then they're just going to have to accept it for whatever it is without mm-hmm. extracting any meaning. Yeah. So sure. it has to be first that. Yeah. Um, so I like the way it looks. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get my first tattoo. And I do nothing right. I drink too much coffee, which I know makes me not healthy. I don't, like, eat any protein during the day. It's the summer. I'm dehydrated. Like, just a slew of bad choices. Yeah. Um, And I'm getting the tattoo, and every single time the needle hits the arm, I take a big breath, and I hold my breath as he does it. Mm -hmm. And then I'll pull away, and I'll breathe, and then I'll do it. And so, what that's like, because you're pumping full of adrenaline, I have now learned, is that when you do that, you are basically running and holding your breath at the same time. And if you do that, you pass out. Mm. And Andy (laughs) has little seizures when he passes out, apparently. I asked my doctor about it, side note. My doctor said, well... Little seizures. Yes, don't don't pass out, and you'll be fine. That was his advice. Stop passing out. Yeah. That's tough. Thanks, Dr. Fletcher. And also, I feel like Anchor Tattoo on Market and Ballard is like, hey, everybody who ever might see you. Totally. Just, oh, what are our walls? Pure windows. <laughs> Nothing but windows. Why is that guy shaking? He's fine. He's fine. He's also, fine. like, everybody that we know mm-hmm. and everybody that 
we've met once yeah. is walking around so, downtown Ballard. Super nice guy there. <laughs> super, super nice guy there. Pauses, talks with me about it, makes jokes. He's like, Yeah, here's other people whose that's happened to. You went fish, he called it. So now I know what it's oh, called. Yeah. Going fish. If it ever happens fish. to you, hopefully it doesn't. Yeah. It's called going fish. Okay. When went to the little store nearby, got me like some candy and some orange juice to get my blood sugar back up. Yeah. Let me calm down, took a while, and then finished that tattoo. So nice. And then he charged me for the time, charged me for the candy, and charged me for the juice. <laughs> so he made an extra, like, $100 off me for that. <laughs> oh, man. And they're cash only. Yep. Oh, I learned that just now. Yeah. And it's, what are you going to do? Oh, that's tough. Yeah. You're like, oh, never. you can't take back your seizure. <laughs> nope. That's what happened. Wow. No mercy. No mercy. No mercy at no. your tattoo. So when you get your tattoo, get hydrated. Okay. Yeah. It's very small. Yeah, what's it going to so be? We're gonna, uh, we're, gonna, we're both going to get two M's. Mm-hmm. One for Megan. Wait for it. Wait. It could be anything. One for Morgan. <laughs> I know. I know. Pretty big deal. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It just feels like the right thing. So, we're going to do it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Where are you going to do it on? Your body. <laughs> Where is it going to be on your body, Megan? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I texted Mo yesterday and I said, where are you going to... I said, okay, great. I made us an appointment at Anchor Tattoo in Ballard. And he was like, great. And then I said, where are you going to get yours? And he goes, dot, dot, dot. The same place you are? And then I was like, no, we're on your body. <laughs> really? Right. <laughs> um, somewhere on my arm. I don't mm. know. I what if you had to get it on a place that only started with an M? What part of your body starts with an M? I don't know. My mouth? Oh, shit. Ooh, an inner lip tattoo. That'd be tight. Um, I mean, that's exactly what I thought, too. That's really? the first thing that came to my brain. Yeah. Yeah. Those are cool. Let me tight. Apparently, those heal like super fast. Like if like you can get a tattoo there, and then like ten years later they're gone because your mouth heals so quickly. Really? Yeah. I have a friend who shall remain nameless that has a Bible verse tattooed inside of his lip. Wow. So all of the things that we set up to now are like okay to share, but this person who's nameless can't have the name because of the Bible verse or because of that tattoo. I don't know. I just feel like. He- he would be annoyed. You don't want to give a shout out? Okay, fine. It's Brady Williams, chef of Camus Restaurant. I can't believe you caved. <laughs> I did. He has like Proverbs something tattooed on the inside of his lip. That's and good. it's from like over 10 years ago or sure. something like that. And it looks perfect. It has not faded no. a day. All right. So there is that theory gone. Yeah. Yeah. One day he just flashed it to me in a meeting and I was like, and I knew I could see the proverbs like right away and mm-hmm. I collapsed in laughter That's because so funny. I was like, what a beautiful surprise. He's like an in and out cup. <laughs> or a Forever 21 bag. They also have. Do they really? Bible verses on the bottom. Oh, man. Oh, he is like an in and out cup. That's I, nice. I think he would like that. Yeah. That analogy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can just roll with that. Yeah. What's that for? In and out? Oh, tight. Yeah, you know, like in and out cup, so. Mm-hmm. You could like that. Sorry, Brady. Yep. Well, you're going to have to make it up to him somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to get back to an idea, mm-hmm. which you had been talking about and kind of like scooting around with before, which we mm. um, had talked about that idea of being the main character yeah. and going forward with these things that you're doing. Um, 
specifically when you're working, or not working, but when you're at the pantry, when you're creating these meals. I've never been there when Mm. you've done this. I've never seen you do this. Um, But I think that that's such an interesting atmosphere to do that, to specifically be a host, be Mm. someone who's creating something, who's preparing a space for somebody else, and then just giving it away, where really the focus is never on you. Yeah, I guess The focus is exclusively, like, on the thing you've created, and you're kind of, like, this background thing. Yeah. Like, people will maybe possibly remember what they ate, but, like, the likelihood of remembering that person Hmm. is less. Hmm. And I don't don't know. Do you feel like that plays into those same characteristics? Like, what are kind of the drawing things in that? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think... Maybe I secretly don't want to be in the background, mm-hmm. I guess, because I really do want to be the main character in my own life. Sure. You know? So, for me, like, cooking and hosting hosting people, uh, to me, it's a way of, like, nourishing and caring for the people around me. Um, and if it can be aesthetically beautiful at the same time, then that's always a huge bonus. Totally. But, um... Yeah, that just over the last maybe 10 years of my life, that's become something that's been really important to me. And um, it's how I show people that I love them or care about them. And mm-hmm. I think that my favorite, I think I can like go ahead and say this, like my favorite thing in life is sharing a meal with someone, like mm-hmm. sitting across the table with somebody that you love. And sharing good food, and mm. if you can even have context for that food, it makes it all the more beautiful. Of like, if you know where your food came from, if you know that it was supplied in a way that honored the earth or the animals, if you can uh, have a, if you grew it yourself, like there's, and so you're sort of like harnessing like the miracle of creation. Mm-hmm. There's just so much that like is so beautiful about that. And so, um, and then sitting down at a table and eating together, which is something that in and of itself is really vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Like, because nobody looks awesome when they eat. Mm -hmm. And also, you're sort of admitting your own, uh, more, not mortality, that's the right word, your own humanness of like, Oh, I have to eat to live. So do you. Yeah. I have a vulnerability. So do you. Mm -hmm. Great. Let's be vulnerable together. Let's sit at a table and both admit that we are not self-sustaining, that we need other people, that we need, like, gifts from the earth, like, that we need the sacrifice of animals. Sure. All that together. And so that just has some, that is something that I think about and an idea that I feel very energized by. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I'm providing those types of experiences for people, whether it's through planning events at Canlis or whether it's through um, empowering people to learn how to cook for themselves at the pantry. Um, it's just become a really important thing for me. Sure. But yeah, I do still sort of play a supporting role in those things. I don't know. Did I answer your question? Yeah, definitely. I think the question is just like the conversation. Talk more about that. Talk yeah. more about that. Okay. I like this conversation. Cool. And I and I think that in essence, like what, I, what I've what i been continually thinking about any artistic medium is are you making 
the is this a, an example of the universe in the way you wish it was, mm. or is this an example of the universe in the way you see it, mm. that you would like other people to see it as well? Mm. And that's exactly what you're creating. You're saying, yeah. let me take this opportunity. Um, and I think that fits much more, that fits a little bit into both. It's like, look at these sustainable practices. Let's mo- engage more in this. Here mm. is an, an attainable way to have this. Uh, cooking, if you're feeling like this is inaccessible, there's a lot of... Um, body shame there's a lot of eating shame Mm -hmm. that goes into making food and handling food and eating food and instead of engaging that and saying like look this is how you can engage in this in a joyful way rather than saying like people will be ashamed of me or I'll have to be ashamed of myself for eating uh, fats for eating carbohydrates for eating all these varieties it's saying no look at how everything is accessible to you there is no no food everything is a yes food But learn yeah. how to come at it. And it, like, it runs so deep and so beautifully. Mm-hmm. I think not just women, but mo- I feel like most women struggle with food and their relationship with food at some point in their life to some degree. Sure. And uh, I definitely am in that category of women. And uh, it was interesting, like, I didn't always work in the food industry and when I didn't work in the food industry was when I had the least healthy relationship with food. Mm. And now so that I'm, I know, and yeah. now that I'm, I'm like working at Canlis and working in food actually really healed my relationship with food. I mm. think because I was like just around it all the time and I learned more about it and it became less of this like, oh my gosh, a pop tart. Totally. <laughs> and like, oh, there's like literally chocolate cake mm. around every day, yeah. all day. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, yeah. and I, I want to, I want to just like, I always try to say like, and I think that's so true for men yes. as well. Yeah. Like, I'm sure. And I think that there is a much more of a, a binge purge mentality with men mm-hmm. in there. It's very much like you can, can, you not only can you can consume everything you ought to, mm-hmm. you better eat that whole burger and finish that beer and get two plates of fries. Like, yeah. that's what a manly thing to do is. And like, then go work out really hard still do all these things. Like, I think that there's a very strong, like, dichotomy of, like, swing really hard back and forth between these pendulums. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I see a lot of times, um, and I've heard, like, I mean, similar to what you're saying, it's yeah. that more resistance from, mm-hmm. like, a feminine aspect or from, like, a, a female perspective yeah. of just being, like, I'm not allowed to have X. It has to be more restricted. Yeah. It has to be a very minimal, yeah. like, allowance of where I can move around and I think both of those are extremes and they're so dangerous it's not about like picking one of those three extremes it's it's about just saying like I love my body Mm -hmm. just right where it is yeah I don't need to change a thing no and it's fine yeah Yeah. absolutely yeah I think as a woman I'd like I feel like for a long time my goal was to eat like I wasn't hungry and for a woman to admit like I'm hungry like I need food Mm -hmm. and I want to eat a burger right like and to be able to eat a burger and then to not feel shame about it and then to be able to eat food, that just, for me, like, what healthy eating is these days in my life is food that makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. Like, and sometimes that's a burger. And yeah. a lot of times it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's a huge salad. Sometimes, you know, like, it's a very, like, I just think it's important to listen to your body and to... Mm-hmm. Like, good food to me is not only food that tastes good, but actually makes me feel good. Whether that's a state of mind or your body. That's why I love beef so much, where Heather works, mm-hmm. is because the food, like, 
is sourced really beautifully, is uh, very healthy for you, mm-hmm. and also is served in portions that aren't outrageous, and so you feel really good yeah. after you eat their food, and that's really important to me. I love that about yeah. that place. It's yeah. like a, they're try- it seems like very much what they're trying to do is present like high quality, high aesthetic, and still making it an everyday thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which I think like, what I what I love seeing is places that do that, and I and then also places that are doing that and like making it not only accessible, um, portion wise, food wise, source wise, but also like um, monetary wise. When you get into that money thing, yeah. and I think that that is one of those tough, tough things that I see with all these places. And I love, I get that. I don't think that you can be like you have to be all of those. Like mm, I, I mm-hmm. totally had interactions with people where I've been like, oh yeah, Heather used to work at Canlis, or Megan works at Canlis, and they do all these great things. And a lot of times the response can be like, yeah, but that's only attainable to this upper class society. Yeah. Like this is a bad thing. Mm. And to jump from all the way from like they're doing these things, but because it's unattainable to a certain people group, it's bad. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that makes sense. But at the same time, like, there are other places that are doing that that are attainable at a monetary level. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that it has to be accessible throughout, mm-hmm. you know, in different places. You have, mm-hmm. you can't do everything. And so you're, they're picking mm-hmm. an artistic passion. So yeah. Veef is picking this specific group and saying, this is the people that I am passionate about taking care of. Yeah. yeah. And you can't take care of everyone. And I think that those, there are individuals who say like, well, it's unattainable. And it's like, that's fine. It doesn't have to be. Yeah, for everybody. What it's saying is, like, this is one way that, like, this is a, a methodology that is accessible that is pushing for these people. And even, like, saying this, I feel uncomfortable. I feel mm-hmm. uncomfortable talking about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally get that. I was. I just read about this restaurant in L.A. that actually has different prices. Like, the sa- they price the same food, the same menu differently in different neighborhoods of LA Mm -hmm. based on the like median income of that neighborhood. Mm. So in more affluent neighborhoods, prices are like almost twice as much as they are in less affluent neighborhoods. And the actual like cost for the food is somewhere in the middle. Yeah. But, and so if you're buying food from the location in the more affluent neighborhood, they're sort of are like wanting you to think about it like almost as a Tom's model or like that you're providing a scholarship in mm-hmm. some way for someone in a less affluent neighborhood to buy your $8 rice bowl for $4 mm-hmm. because that's what that, like people who live in that neighborhood can't afford. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. And, and to have it be food that is like healthy and, um, and, just nour- and nourishing for people and that it's appealing to people who have money to spend on mm-hmm. food um, and people who don't have as much money to spend on Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So I read about that. I thought that was really an interesting idea. And I feel like I would be excited to spend four more dollars on a rice bowl if it meant that somebody else didn't have to pay as yeah, much. Yeah, could spend yeah. four less dollars. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and that's like effective or that's a uh, accessible and effective communism that's mm-hmm. like it communism done right i know maybe i'm a communist yeah that'd be okay yeah yeah I guess so. <laughs> um but and i i love that to get back to like just like the body image stuff which oh, i feel yeah. like is just a huge passion of mine and just yeah. something i think is so beautiful i love the way that kind of you've been just like a voice of advocacy for that and the mm. way that you've never 
I don't think you're someone who's like super outspoken about that. Yeah. But you just kind of uh, are someone who makes beautiful things and creates beautiful things and never shies away from like the things that are maybe supposed to be shied away from. Like when you're creating food, it's like, mm. no, this is better with butter. We're going to make it with butter. <laughs> it yeah. tastes better. <laughs> With butter. More butter, more salt. My grandma always said, <laughs> always. butter eaters make better lovers. Oh, I, I grandma. Grandma Zook. <laughs> grandma Zook. Yeah, she's the real deal. Oh, I love her. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. It's very true. One time, uh, a group of our friends put on this, like, we called it an arts collective. Remember Lucky Pots? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was so sweet. Yeah, it was potluck. Potluck. Lucky Pots. Lucky Pots. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, like, it was just an event that we put on at our friend's house, and it was just a way for all of us to sort of, like, display our creative outlets to each other. Like, we're people who spend a lot of time to each other, but, or with each other, but don't necessarily, like, take the time to, like, look or appreciate what each other are doing artistically. And so whether that was, like, reading a poem or displaying your art or showing your photography or playing a song um, or whether it was like making beautiful food. Like that was another okay. part of it. And so that was a way That's that... That's right. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, that was so we great. We had a beautiful dinner. All I knew was the pun. <laughs> <laughs> and so I remember I was like menu planning with our friend Julie and uh, and we were like about to bring food out to the tables and uh, and I was telling her like, Basically, like, when you're at a restaurant, they finish everything with oil or butter and finishing salt. And so, like, that's the main difference between restaurant food and home food is that the amount of butter and salt. Yeah. And so, (laughs) so right before we bring out the food, she just, like, dumps a bunch of olive oil all over this pork gross we'd made and, like, just throws a bunch of salt on. It was delicious. It was delicious. <laughs> Why? Because it had butter because and salt. Because it had butter and too. salt. And I think, I don't know, like, I think if you ban those things from your life, like, they're actually going to control you. Absolutely. And so enjoy them. Embrace them. Yeah, it's like, the person saying no, 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 and then they scream yes. Yeah. And like, that's not healthy. Yeah, that's how you end up with a Big Mac, sitting in your bed eating a Big Mac. Now, here's the thing. Don't eat a Big Mac like that. Eat a Big Mac because it's fun. And they're really Because good. it's Tuesday. <laughs> because you're a free fucking human, and you can eat that Big Mac. It's so It's true. Great. I know. I just, sometimes when I'm super hungry, that's, that's what calls to me. Mm-hmm. Favorite fast food? Um, McChicken. Ooh. From, I know, just like down, dirty Love McChicken it. from McDonald's. Dude, Crunchwrap Supreme, Taco Ooh, Bell. Ooh, a yeah, That is the right response. <laughs> oh, man. I know, I, we were, we both were in, Port, in Oregon this weekend, and driving back up to Seattle was a nightmare because it was Sunday afternoon. <sighs> yep. And it was hot, mm-hmm. and there was so much traffic. I went to Burgerville. You did. Burgerville. <laughs> I was so proud of you. <laughs> that was awesome. Mm-hmm. I think I went through the drive-through at Taco Time. Nice. Yeah. I don't know why. That's that's. I feel better about going to Taco Time. Yeah. It doesn't feel like quite as much of an. I've heard that they've but... got an amazing like, um, kind of locally sourced similar like. Yeah. Like. There's a perfect example of, like, super affordable. Yeah. Super, like, not, like, crazy, like, low-quality stuff. Like, high-quality, good, 
like locally sourced food and highly accessible. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For and sure. maybe they. And their ice is so good. They have the pellet ice. Oh, they got that pellet ice. Yeah, they got that pellet ice. No, that's where that is at. Yeah. You want to get that drink? I can. I can take it a step up. Sometimes I just get water, the ice water from there. Sometimes I say I want water, and then I get the soda, so it's sparkling. <laughs> you are so dangerous. Badass, right over here. <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah. There's one right by my house. And I find, like, on almost every weekend that I'm in town, I find myself in a food crisis of, like, I have no food. Mm -hmm. Because I am extremely fortunate in that I get lunch and dinner made for me at work Mm -hmm. um, as part of a staff meal, which is a huge blessing and saves me tons of money. But then, like, Saturday and Sunday roll around, and I'm like, I have no food and I'm starving. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I don't know how to do three meals a day. (laughs) Oh, I don't know how to do it. I only know how to make breakfast. Yeah, just breakfast. <laughs> and so... Uh, B for L, and then B for D. I know. So sometimes I'm like, literally, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. So I'll go to my parents' house, or I'll go to summertime. Right. Well, isn't that the, the, the typical, like, it's the baker's kids that don't have bread? Yeah. You know, it's the people yeah, who yeah, cook yeah. that are like... Oh, yeah. Oh, I can't do this. Yep. I can't do this for me. For sure. It's so much easier to do it for other people. And Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a huge part of that self-care thing about, like, yeah. food body acceptance is, like, yeah. it's, I I know, I, I know that that idea of just giving or, like, I'll make this thing for you or I'll make this thing for these people or I'll yeah. bring all these things to my coworkers is so much more accessible. Yeah. And then you don't eat any of it. And then you don't partake because yeah. all you can only give. Yeah, for sure. But you won't receive. I was talking to this girl, you know, Monica. She owns a couple of really cool places in Seattle. Um, one of which is, I'm totally going to out her, but I think it's fine. Uh, her name's Monica and she owns uh, Sunset, that like new chicken sandwich place inside. Rachel's Ginger Beer. Up on oh, Twelve. yeah, I've been there. And like... Contessa, Torta. I don't know any of the other places. Place. I've heard that she owns other spots, but yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah that, and, and those... Neon Taco in, um, oh. in Nacho Baracho. Yeah, I haven't been there. I've heard that it's really good. Yes. Cool. All awesome places. She is super cool. I ran into her in an event a couple weeks ago, and we were I somehow got talking about what we had for breakfast, and I was like, yeah, I had peanut butter and dried apricots on a leftover hot dog bun from 4th of July. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> that's what I had for breakfast. And her and her boyfriend were like, that sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it is delicious. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> and she was like, I ate room temperature leftovers that were sitting on, like, the floor of yes. my car overnight for breakfast. And it was just like, that's totally how it goes, mm-hmm. like, when you work in food. Because... Sometimes you're a hunter, and sometimes you're a forager. <laughs> I know. It's true. It's really true. And you just sort of have to embrace wherever you're at. And whenever I have a couple of days off work, it's always weird to get into a more regulated eating pattern where I'm like, oh, this is a breakfast food. This right. is a lunch food. This is a dinner food. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. One of my favorite things is when you get out of those cycles. Like, if you sleep in late because it's a weekend, mm-hmm. and I'll, like... I love putting away my phone or, like, trying to ignore the clocks Mm -hmm. and just be like, I'm hungry now. I'm not going to look at the clock. Like, I'll feel it, and I won't think this is, is it, is it? Is it noon? Is it time to eat? Instead of just being like, I'm going to eat a meal. I'm going to eat a meal now because I want to, because I'd like to. And I think that that's so much that, 
uh, that concept of what you're creating, what you're mm. doing for people when you're mm. teaching them how to cook, when you're um, just preparing a space for them, yeah. is you're just saying, like, look, look at how beautiful this is. It's going to take a little bit longer. You're going to be hungrier when it comes. Yeah. And you're not going to, and don't be freaking out, like, but I wanted to eat at 6.30. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to be here. Yeah. And then it's we'll gonna have it. It's going to be 8.30 by the time you eat. But yeah. It's actually going to taste better. It's going to taste hungry. better. And because more time and love has been put into it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And not that there's anything wrong with that. I just, I feel like I, I'll probably put a trigger warning at the beginning of this podcast <laughs> because I feel like this is just a, a sensitive thing. But I yeah. think that, you know, if we're not going to talk about sensitive stuff. Yeah. What's the point? What's the point? Yeah. No, I think, thanks for bringing that into the conversation. That's something that I feel a lot of passion about and um, I think is really important. And I like that you do too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So rad. I love it. Yeah. I just think it's, I don't know, it's something that feels like such an attainable, that's, I'll spell that out more. It's such, um, not attainable, but it's such a tangible way to uh, approach a real problem that is so present for so many people yeah. that are just in our day-to-day lives and our really present lives. I th- yeah. I can't remember what now, now what the statistic is for how many, especially women that deal with uh, disorderly eating issues is, yeah. but I know that it's high. Yeah, I know that so it's high. higher than it ought to be. Yeah, for I, sure. I don't know what a good number is, but I bet it's low. I bet it's zero. <laughs> And yeah. I just think, I think so much of the time, it's just the inability to, to have the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Maybe someone will listen and feel inspired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be awesome. Maybe someone will listen to the trigger warning at the beginning, they won't listen, and then they'll have a better day. <laughs> hey, people not listening. I'm glad you're not listening right now. Yep. You don't need to listen to this episode. No. Nope. That's okay. It's okay. That's okay. Mm. Yeah, that's real good. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I like that. This one's a little bit shorter, but I feel like... Is it? Are we, what time is it? It's 8.07. Yeah, it's like 50 minutes, or it's 50? almost an hour. We can keep talking if you want. You yeah, I don't feel any desire to run. I don't edit. I edited it actually secret. You want to know secret? Yeah. I edited the last episode. You did? Yeah, because I, I fucked up the mic at one point, and I had to hide it. So uh-huh. there's my big reveal. Everyone. Everyone. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> the ghosts in the future that Megan was talking to earlier. <laughs> Here it is. Everyone. Everyone knows. I remember, oh, I remember with the big other question. I wrote down a bunch of notes. Because I, oh. I like to, because I ride the bus. Mm-hmm. When I'm riding the bus before the podcast, mm-hmm. I just, for you, I listen to the national. Oh. Because I know that's a huge thing for you. And yeah. I was like, that's how I'll think about being with Megan. And then I just wrote down thoughts I was thinking. Yeah. And trying to think about conversations we've had. Yeah. Yeah. For, like, the first couple of episodes, I was like, get on Facebook. Look at what they were looking at. And now I try to just be like, no, think about what the person is. Yeah. And I feel like I like that so much more. And yeah. so I think one of the big things I was thinking about, because it's so true for me, yeah. um, is this idea, and I'm pointing the finger at myself, Okay. is what does success look like in these artistic things yeah. that we are actively describing as hobbies? Mm-hmm. that we're saying, I'm not going to make this the money gainer. Yeah. I'm not going to make this the, like, I'm putting everything aside and, and all the people decide and, like, accomplishing this is the goal. Yeah. But still, I like to have goals. I like to know what my aim is. Do you feel yeah. like, do I feel like, do we feel like there is 
peak moments that we're aiming towards. Mm. You know? Maybe I'll say this first. When I was talking, did you listen to the one with Natalie? I did, yeah. Oh, yeah, because she's our friend. So she was talking about that feeling of, um, that's so presumptuous. Did you listen to the one with Natalie? <laughs> um, of course I did. Of course. So um, she was talking about, you know, trying to get to Hotel Cafe and play there. And, like, that mm-hmm. feeling, like, that means I've arrived. And then yeah. when she was at the Fallon show, like, getting yeah. those texts from the gal who runs it and being like, whoa, that used to be my high point. Now, this is my high point. Mm-hmm. But, like, all of these things are just arbitrary. So, in the right. end, they don't mean anything. But we mm-hmm. have them because yeah. we're human and we mm-hmm. like to have trajectory. Yeah. Do you feel like there are, like, trajectory points? Oh, my gosh. I don't. That's okay. I, <laughs> That's I got, okay. I, I don't have, like, an end goal. I think it's just to, like, always be evolving more and more into who I am. Mm-hmm. And, like, to always be growing and pushing and exploring. And, um, you know, in this past year, it's been, like, how do I make sourdough bread? Mm. I want to make my own bread. Like, bread is so inexpensive, and it's to make, and it's so beautiful when you make it yourself. Mm-hmm. And I was really inspired by, there are these brothers who are opening up a bakery called Sea Wolf Bakery. It might even be open now. In Seattle? Yeah. Mm. It's right next to Manoline on Stoneway across from Whalewinds. And I've bought their bread before. They serve it at the Whalewinds. They also serve some of their bread at Beef. Um... And they're sort of a part of the whole sea creatures running Erickson crowd. Yeah. Um, I went to General Porpoise today yes. and got a donut. Yes. It fucking ruled. <laughs> I know. Those donuts, they're like $5 each. But I know. I know. So good. Worth yeah. every penny. I know. Um, but anyway, all that to say, I've had their bread a couple times and I've bought it a couple times and I was like so in awe and so inspired by their bread. And so I was like, hmm, this year I'm going to make my own, I'm going to figure out, like, make my own bread recipe and have a starter Mm -hmm. and, like, make bread regularly and figure out how to make really good bread. Or before that, it was granola. Um, My friend who I used to work with, uh, she works for Chef Steps, which is this website that Mm -hmm. puts out instructional videos for cooking. And she asked me to put together a granola recipe. So I like worked on that and honed that and that was so fun. Mm-hmm. Cause I got to also like take great pictures and like write about it. Yeah. And it was such a fulfilling experience to be like, this is my granola recipe. And I tested it for a really long time, all these different ways. So I don't know, like this is just like the stuff I get excited about on the weekends. <laughs> I could, like recipe testing or mm-hmm. just, it's always little stuff like that. Recently, I, I like a year ago, I decided I wanted to find a full set of the dishes that I had growing up, hmm. um, but I wanted to gather them all. Like I wanted to get them at thrift stores. Yeah, you didn't want to go on Amazon and no, no, it was very important. To they me were not going. To you do were going to find I was them. Find it. So I would find like two here, two there. Cool. They're just like basic white plates that are sort of scalloped on the edges, and um, I just think they're really beautiful. And I loved going to thrift stores, and that was a big part of growing up. My mom and I would go almost every weekend Mm -hmm. and just spend hours, like, looking for stuff. And my mom would always ask, did you find anything you can't live without? And then 
so sweet, right? I love that question. I know. And then I would be like, yeah, I did or I didn't. And, you know, like at the most, it was like six ninety nine. Yeah. So it was awesome. What a great question to yeah. ask. Yeah. So anyway, so I've always had a strong love of thrift shopping. Mm-hmm. And um, I made it a goal to try and find a whole set of these dishes. So every time I'm at a thrift store, I always check out the dishes to see if there's any. And two weeks ago... I found the mother load. It you was did? like almost a full set of these what? dishes. That's crazy. <laughs> How long have you been doing it for? For like two years. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, but it was also, I was telling some friends this last weekend, I was actually kind of bummed because the search is over. Right. Isn't that the crazy thing? <laughs> yeah. You achieved the goal. I've been thinking, okay, this was this was one of my best thoughts the other day, yeah. is you, you achieved the goal. I've been trying to think about this idea, is when you do, look at it. It's not here yet. Mm. What will you feel the day after the goal? Right. What will you feel two days after the goal? Like, what's the next goal? Right. And, you know, that's like super capitalist, or, yeah, super consumerist mentality. for sure. And how we think about goals. But that doesn't mean, like, our goals are bad. It just means, like, where your goals appropriately give them the right amount of weight it's like this is fun it's enjoyable the process is great really love it but don't get so fixated on once i get to x then i will feel blank assume that the goal is a is an accomplishment to mourn the loss of the process yeah you know and i've been like trying to think about that more and more and just Mm. let that bleed into me like when i think about a goal that i want to accomplish just kind of being like but when I hit that goal, I'll actually kind of feel bad. And trying to retrain yeah. my mind to say, I'm like... I'm sure it's like that writing an album yeah. or, like, recording an album. You have yeah. this thing you're working on forever, and it's, like, your heart and soul, and then it's done. Yeah. And, I mean, there's totally joy and like, things that can happen. Like, people... Maybe your goal is to have people responding to it and, like, mm-hmm. having those opportunities where people are responding to it. Mm-hmm. Like, that feels like a continuation of the goal, and there's a way that you can extend its life and hook it to life support. Yeah. But just, like, saying, like, really be present. Really be fixed in this moment. Like, what am I working on right now that is empowering my trajectory? Mm-hmm. But don't sit there thinking about, I have to do this, and I have to do that, and I have to do this other thing, yeah. and then I'll finally get this. Say, like... I get to do these things. Mm-hmm. I get to do all these things. Unfortunately, yeah. I'll be done at some point. I know. It is unfortunate. It's unfortunate. I enjoy the journey so much. So it's much. So Especially when I choose to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether it's like a road trip or a hike or oh. no matter what, there's, I don't know, I'm a journey journey type of person. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about like vacations. That's why I like long kind of pointless, aimless vacations that have, mm. like, I want to do some things in it. Yeah. But I think, like, you have such a more, much more pleasant time going somewhere. Yeah. If you just say, I'm just going there. Totally. Who knows what will happen? Let yeah. me be, come into this flexible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that is the way my brother and I are so different. Yeah. <laughs> very goal-oriented. And we, that has been something where, like, he just, like, has lists and gets shit done, which is awesome and he's achieved so much because of it i think it's really cool yeah but also it's just also really like i think there's so much value in like relaxing yeah and it doesn't mean like (laughs) that's bad no again same thing with the food same thing with all the stuff we're talking about like 
whoever you are, you have to, like, be willing to come a little bit towards the middle, come towards the middle, mm-hmm. like, find a little bit of it in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Everything in moderation, yeah. even moderation. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's my mic drop. Now go. Go forth, Mandy. <laughs> be my My arms are wide. My heart is full. We no. arms wide open. <laughs> no. <laughs> I heard this amazing. Why would you take I it there? Know. I heard this amazing uh, line on a podcast the other day. I was like, yeah, nobody likes Nickelback, but they still sold 20 million albums. Mm-hmm. Like, someone's buying them. Someone's buying them. 20 million people are buying them. Yeah. There was a time when I, Nickelback was not an ironic purchase. Yeah, and now it's like the epitome. Yep. I blame the internet. Yeah, for sure. Nickelback, post, pre-internet? No, That's I'm a kidding. band. That's What's a that? Band. Oh, a band. Yeah. That I spell wrong every time. Nickelback. Okay. <laughs> I think it's there's tough. no C. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. People are checking Spotify <laughs> in the future right now on their phones. In the future. In the future. In the future. Megan. Thanks for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. I think you're so impressive. Honor. You're Aww. just like wildly influencing on my life and oh it's really gosh. great to have you in oh ditto yeah it's an honor to be here for sure cool all right cheers cheers we just high-fived everyone. Well.